And um, I'm here to guide us through the next 45 minutes or so. Uh, it just makes you want to go back and binge watch it all in one night, though, doesn't it? Watching the first one. Uh, well, we've got to wait till Friday. But um, what we've got coming up now, we've got um, three of the brains behind the whole thing. Uh, are going to chat to us about what it was like putting it together, giving us some insight about how it was made, why they made the choices they did. Uh, and also there'll be a chance for some audience questions at the end. So I know some of you are here from the industry, so that's cool. So if you want to ask about camera lenses or location or whatever you guys ask about, that's grand. And I know there's some fans of the show here as well. So if you want to ask, um, you know, who was the easiest actor to work with, uh, or whatever your, your questions are, that's also cool. But we'll get to that in a bit. Um, so without further ado, let me introduce you to Jamie Campbell, Lauren Evans, and Midge Ferguson. So come up onto the stage. Uh, and now, Jamie, you've, you've made it, thanks, just about. Great, great Western Railways didn't, didn't put you off completely, but it nearly scuppered you being here at all this, this evening, didn't it? Uh, I went via Manchester, so... Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. No, no, it was just a slight detour. Yeah, well, that, that's, what, that's what we feel like having to commute from London back to Wales all the time, <laughs> so there we are. Um, so I guess we start... Do you, do you want to introduce, introduce yourself in terms of what's your role um, as an executive producer on the show? What, what is it you sort of... you do? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, well, so I run the company that makes the show, which is called Eleven, and I'm the creative director um, at that company as well. So um, I suppose at the company, we, come, we try and come up with ideas that are good, and then we try and find a writer, and we try and find a director, and then we pitch it to broadcasters and hope that they get made, and then we make them. Um, so, And then when we are making them, then I suppose my job is to... Uh, try and make sure that the show is the best that it can be and that everyone that's working on it does their best work. So, um, and I suppose I'm, I'm the last line of defence before you get to the broadcaster, in this case, Netflix. Yeah. Um, Lauren, you're the casting director. Mm -hmm. What's a casting director do then? I mean, it, it's, there's a clue in the title a little bit, isn't there? I find the cast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great, lovely. So that's uh, Lauren's job. No. Yeah, it's my job to sort of source the cast members and hopefully find the right people for the job. Yeah, and then Midge, as a location manager, um, I mean, I think we all agree the show looks amazing, doesn't it? Um, and I, I, when I first watched it, I didn't realise that it was largely filmed in Wales. I mean, it does help when you've got a beautiful landscape, but what, what's your role in, in, in the production? Um, well, I'm the location manager, which means one or two things, but primarily to start off with, I find where we're actually going to film and offer up ideas for the director, designer and producer to see if it fits the brief and fits what we're after. Great. So we're going to touch on all these sort of different areas now over the, for the next half an hour or so. I guess, um, I suppose we should start, Jamie, just by asking, when it comes to this project, making a second series after the success of the first one, A, were you expecting it to go down as well as it did? And then B, how do you try and match that? Because the pressure's on, well, everybody loved the first series so much, now series two has got to be just as good, if not better. Well, we were really lucky because the, um, the writing process on this show was a bit unusual um, in that Netflix were prepared to pay for the writer's room to start before the first season had been filmed. So um, I think we were still filming season one in September 20, uh, 2018, and that's the month that the writer's room started. So season two was written before 
or the most, most of it was written, and certainly the whole of it was structured before season two went out. And that's quite good, I think, because it meant that we didn't have any particular expectations. We just wanted to make something bigger and bolder and, and better. Um, and to answer the first bit of the question, I don't, I don't think we had any idea that people would respond to the show in this way. Um, and, and particularly, we didn't think that the kind of breadth of audience would be as it is, because I think there are, there's an audience which is very youthful, and then there's an audience which is very senile, and, um, and <laughs> lots of people in between, and, and there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason as to why people um, respond to it particularly, but I think people feel like it has something very contemporary to say, which can potentially apply both to very young and very old people and the people in between, um, and it does that without necessarily being too um, didactic about that. It doesn't force you to feel a certain way, but it is quite truthful and I think em emotionally quite open, which people like. Because if you were to say to someone, uh, we're going to make a coming-of-age um, drama comedy, you'd think that's quite a crowded market. You know, there's lots of th things in the past, that, traditionally, that are very famous in this genre. What makes this, do you think, stick out from the rest? Because it does feel totally different to anything else we've seen in the genre, certainly recently. I think what's different is that the conceit of the show is very unusual and shouldn't work. And actually, I was, quite, um, I was quite pleased to see that there was a review last week that said, this show shouldn't work at all. And I ha no one knows why it does. Um, but the, I, I'll let you into the secret of why it does. Is that the concept and the conceit of it, which Laurie Nunn, the creator, came up with, is quite heightened. And um, it, it allows you to go into a very rich world and enjoy that. It allows you to be both quite broad comedically, but also go to some quite dark and emotionally um, sort of deep places. And that, the, the magic of this show is that in combination with the brilliance of our um, director uh, and my fellow executive producer, Ben Taylor, who is in this room, but I won't, tell you, I, won't tell, I won't tell you where he is, <laughs> but he is in here. Um, but so Ben's, um, Ben's vision for the show, which was really to um, take the kind of heightened nature of Laurie's script and then apply rules to the world and an aesthetic to the world, which uh, absolutely made sense for that conceit, is really the only way that this show can work and operate at the level that it does. And so it's, we, we've just been very lucky to have two people working at the highest possible level, Laurie in the script department and Ben, uh, in terms of directing it and marshalling the overall direction of the show. Um, yeah, it's just a great coalescing of minds, really. Talking about the the world, the, the sort of the world building that goes on in in the show, the cast is obviously a major uh, part of that. Lauren, how do you go about putting this cast together? Cast that's got actors who we haven't seen before, and Gillian Anderson together working in seemingly perfect harmony. How do you do that? Yeah, it was quite a daunting challenge to begin with, but. Um, sort of usually casting directors have the luxury of making lists for directors and producers to consider and they've got a body of work, they've got showreels that we can watch ahead of time and mm. you can sort of make a lot of decisions but with a younger cast, some of them are just out of uni or they're new graduates or they've never done anything before, it's just about seeing a lot of people and trying to assess 
quite quickly whether they've got potential or promise and yeah yeah and practically is that um watching showreels online is it going to uni performances is it if there's any actors out there you know tonight maybe what would what they should they be doing to get your attention it's everything it's about thinking outside the box so you're not just looking at actors who have representation it's going to national youth theaters it's going to youth clubs we were looking at swimming clubs for uh, specifically Jackson's role, yeah. um, rugby club. So we try to look everywhere mm-hmm. um, because you never know what gems you're going to find. And things like, obviously, you know, it's a brilliantly diverse cast, isn't it, from all sorts of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. How important was that when you were looking at, at sort of filling the, the roster up? Hugely important from Netflix, Laurie, Eleven, Ben, to find a very eclectic ensemble that was hugely representative so everyone felt that they could see themselves on the screen yeah. hugely important and I suppose the, the clues in the title of the show isn't it sex education and the first scene of series two obviously is uh, yeah. it's quite something isn't it it's yeah, fair to say absolutely. Uh, and there are a couple of scenes in series one as well that I caught you know uh, you know how how early on in the conversation with an actor is, is, is by the way oh my uh, there's this one scene I've had some of the most embarrassing phone calls of my life since working on this show and the googling I've had to do um, I didn't, Not safe for work, I, I didn't know what like, Bukaki was like, what the hell is Bukaki? <laughs> God, I hope that my computer's never taken that's in not by a anyone. That's, that's not a sentence I don't think has ever been heard in a BAFTA oh, screening ever God. before. But I think it's fair to say. You've got to check that these actors, especially the young, mm. the young guys, um, and I have to have that conversation. Make sure that we're very transparent from the beginning. It's, you know, it's got sexual content. These are young people. And um, especially in this climate, just to make sure that everyone feels that they're armed with the knowledge of what this show's about, how we're going to shoot it, what is required for each character, mm. so that they can make an informed decision before they came in. So everyone had the script. Yeah. And every agent was told very specifically about the show and what our intentions were and how we were going to shoot it. And I've read that you had an an intimacy specialist on on set, right? Yes, an intimacy coordinator. Coordinator, Mm -hmm. right. So we just brought on board to... Like you have a stunt coordinator, choreographer. It's Mm -hmm. exactly the same premise. So all these scenes of a sexual nature are broken down and everyone is sort of... It's just choreographed almost, isn't it? And everyone talks through what they're comfortable with what they aren't and everyone has a voice and then she's there to yeah. oversee it all which is hugely important because um, it is it, it is amazing to think that even as recently as five years ago i would say the, the majority over 90 percent of productions would really have no parameters to work with in in a, in a sort of as lauren as lauren says in a, in, a, in a sort of fight scene you would have very clear parameters yeah. you work it out and because you don't want to stab the other person in the eye and in physically intimate scenes, you wouldn't. You just sort of cross your fingers and go for it, and you know, hope that everyone was okay. And that's good. People on the whole have good intentions, but you want to make sure that people feel yeah. safe and are safe, um, and also know what the parameters are, so that they can do their best work within guidelines that are agreed. I yeah, suppose because it is an important. I mean, it is. It is an important part of the show as well, isn't it? Because it is a part of the growing up of the characters. Also an important part of the show, of course, are the locations. Now, Midge, we were chatting earlier, and you said to me that your job is to basically go out and get lost. Um, that's where I found most of the things, actually, driving around and, and getting lost. And you don't use a sat-nav, you just off you go? Don't use a sat-nav. And, you know, beforehand I've had a good chat with Ben, the director, and the designer about what we're after, what we're thinking, and... I have an idea in my head what I'm looking for, 
and then um, literally head off in a direction that I think I might find it. And, yeah. Uh, I have good days and I have bad days. Well, you have plenty of good days for this show, to be fair. It's a stunning location. And some of the, I think some of the people who've, who let the crew into their houses, their homes, are here tonight. Um, so that, um, which, is, which is great. Some of those places are unbelievable. If they were on Airbnb, they'd make an absolute fortune, wouldn't they, uh, renting those out? And uh, did, is, it, is what the show looked like, what you imagined it in the first place, Jamie, when Midge came to you with some of these suggestions? Was it different, or was it sort of what you were expecting? Well... Um, actually, Ben and I, in September 20, uh, 2018, um, no, 2017, I guess it was, um, were looking for where we were going to shoot this. And there were only certain places in the whole of Great Britain where there was a school that was big enough, a school-type building that was big enough for what we needed and was also functional enough and near crew. Um, and so generally, maybe only three or four in the entire country that were options. And so we, we went round just looking at the sort of those locations and the buildings and then what we could find in the nearby areas. And we knew that Killian was a really strong option. Mm. And, so, and actually Killian we saw first. But it was when we came to see Midge and Midge took us round in his car and showed us just some things maybe 10 to 20 to 30 miles away from Killian that we started to get really excited about what that tapestry of locations would look like. And the thing that I think we were really struck by in terms of Midge's approach was, I think, you know, often for good reason, location managers will take you to the stuff that they know um, because they want to show off the good stuff that they already know. And they might go a little bit further than that, might go outside the radius that they lo usually look at. I think we felt that, and I think it's true, that Midge went quite a long way, maybe because he didn't have the sat-nav, he just, he just got, <laughs> got lost, um, would go quite a long way beyond what he had to. And so he was showing us stuff that we were just getting blown away by. Um, Simmons Yap being a great example of that, but um, a lot of places even closer to the city that were just really unusual um, and challenged us to think about what the aesthetic of the show was going to be. Um, and then there was, I think at the end of the first trip, you were just driving us back to the train station. And I remember you got out a CD and said, do you know what, I've really been thinking about the show and I think this song might be a good sort of intro song for the first episode. And um, I can't remember what it was, maybe Hugh Lewis in the news or something, but um, I think Ben and I just came away feeling that Midge was someone that was really invested in the show and had taken it really seriously and had lots of great thoughts and was going to go a number of extra miles. Yeah. And that, so that's a long-winded answer to your question, but it's, it's such a sort of added value to, and you can see it on the screen, to the extent that, sorry, this is a long-winded answer, but there was, there was um, a brilliant person that joined our production team this year called Sean, who was um, working in the production office. And when I met her, she said that she had grown up in Caleon and I said, okay, well, did you see season one? She said, yeah, I really loved it. And I said, well, it must have been such a thrill for you to look at places that you'd grown up around and to recognise that. And she said, to be, to be honest, I didn't recognise any of it at all. <laughs> and she said, it was only when I got to episode seven and a mate of mine who I'd gone to school with was an extra in it that I realised that it might have been filmed around here and then I worked it out. But <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite a weird and unusual thing to have a show that's based in such a specific place but not to be totally recognisable. And that's, yeah, that's great work from Midge. Um, 
Mitch, when you're looking for for places, what 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 is it? What is it? Obviously, in your head, obviously, you need something to look like what's on what's on paper. But what are the other considerations? You're when you're getting lost in your car and you're trying to find somewhere. What are the things you're already thinking about? Because some of the spots you've got, like them, I wrote down Tin Turn Railway Bridge, was on the first series, amazing. Margam Park, you film at some brilliant places you've found. So, what are you looking for? I think for first series, I, w- I was fortunate enough to grow up in Monmouth, and which is. 25 miles up the road and countless times I've driven up and down the Y Valley and two years ago when I met Ben and Jamie for the first time and Ben and I talked about the kind of the films that he liked and the, the, the kind of images that he really the kind of things he'd want to see in the show and it wasn't just about specific locations but it was kind of iconic things that visually would look great and I was just driving around and I'd driven past that bridge in Tinton countless times and I just thought that would be good. And ironically, that, that, that the, the wonderful house in Simmons Yacht that we use is the exterior of Otis and Jeans. I'd drunk in the pub beneath that countless times <laughs> as a teenager and never seen the chalet above it. And, and it was only when I was on the other side of the hill that I saw it and thought, that is not what we've actually after, but it would work. And it's, you take a couple of photos, and I remember sending a photo to Ben on my phone and just said, I found it. And because you just kind of, you, you, you spend a long time driving around and going, does that work? Does it, is it interesting? Is it, does it say anything about the character? And you just, after a while, you just get to know what, what works and why it works. Okay, I've then got to sell the idea to everybody else. But I think after a short while, a lot of the times I was finding things and straight away from the conversations I'd had with Ben and with Sam, the designer, and things like that, that I knew they would work. Obviously, I've kind of, turned down a lot of locations myself before I've even offered up ones rather than mm. offering up 20 options. I've offered up three or four, so I've already filtered out what I don't think is particularly strong. So you go with a specific, rather than a, a shopping list of here are 15, 20 places you could look at, you, you, you work it out yourself and then say, what about these? You, you can drive around and you can see things that answer the brief, but then they're not that exciting. Mm. You need something that has that je ne sais quoi, that kind of difference that well, as everybody's kindly said about the show, some of the locations that we've used, the ones I've driven past in the past, the ones that I have found by getting lost. I mean, the, the one in episode one there, which is Jakob's house, I found by getting lost in the woods. <laughs> and, you know, and so I've got an idea what I'm looking for, but sometimes you can get that muddled that you then are driving past things that would work. And so it's just, I don't know, it's just... It's just you, you, you kind of get an idea of what you're after in the area you're in and you think, it's down this road, I'm going to find it, it's yeah. down here. Yeah, there's, a, there's an amazing scene, um, or a sequence of scenes in a later episode where some of the characters are, are get, uh, go into a, a, a forest. And I remember we scouted that and Midge showed us around and um, we were sort of looking at various bits of it and Midge said, oh, come over here, come and have a look at this. And um, we walked about three or four minutes around the corner and he said, there's a cave down here that I used to spend sort of days in, you know, when I was... I was like, what did this guy do when he was younger? Um, but Might that's a TV series in following Midge around by the yeah. sounds of it. <laughs> and you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, and what's interesting about the, this show is that um, obviously it's filmed in Wales and, and it's beautif- beautiful locations, but it, it's not immediately apparent that it is Wales, like your colleague Sean, who didn't figure out it was Killian, which is quite unique, because... 
shows based in Wales, I usually make a, a bit of a song and dance with the fact that they are based in Wales. So talk us to us, you know, like Gavin and Stacey, for example, is very set here. So talk about the decision of, of making a location that's neutral. Is it America? Is it the UK? Filmed in Wales? You know, it, is, what, what was the decision making behind that process? Well, to answer a little bit on presumptuously on Ben's behalf, but it's it's partly the the vision that he came to the show with, which was to marry up Laurie's vision for a heightened concept, um, addressing various themes with various very strong characters, with the knowledge that this this show could, and it's quite a sort of bold thing to to think, but it was the right thing to do, that it could fit into the kind of sequence of American teen movies and mm. high school TV shows um, that we grew up with and loved, um, particularly the John Hughes movies, but TV shows like Freaks and Geeks as well. And, um, you know, the, 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 that, got that's the, quite the, a sort the of... The excellent American football jackets are exactly. out in force, aren't they? Exactly, and, there's, and there's, there is a sort of um, an innocence about those shows and also a, an, an aspirational quality to those shows, which you sometimes get in British shows. Um, in this genre, but not often. Mm. And more often, British shows in this genre sort of fetishise what goes wrong when you're at, at, at um, school and what, what a horrible experience it is. And often it is a really horrible experience, and um, so that's fair enough. But I think one of the things we really wanted to do here was to say that our characters were going to look back at this time of their lives and feel it was the best time of their lives rather than the time of their lives they wanted to escape from. And that's really important for the audience because you want the audience to, we, we all want to feel like we can enjoy this world as well and you kind of want to be in it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bold way to go, but it was absolutely right. And that, and that has led to this, because it is also, as everyone knows it, it's always sunny in Wales. And so- um, All the time, every so time. Yeah. That has led to a sort of aesthetic, which feels a bit more American because we loved that and Ben particularly loved those shows, um, and, and so there's a nod to that. Yeah. Um, and, and also, because we didn't want to specify exactly where it was, it needed to f have an element of um, its own place without naming anywhere, without there being sort of familiar, um, you know, Woolworths or Dixons are not on the sort of corner of the streets. You don't identify in that way, it's just a nice place without a name. Um, yeah. yeah. Introducing new characters into series two. Um, Lauren, do you ever consider about sort of the personalities you're introducing with actors as well? Because you want them to gel. Because clearly, I think there's an off-screen chemistry mm -hmm. with the cast from series one that, that sort of translates onto screen. So when you're introducing new faces into that, how important is that dynamic when you're considering your oh, choices? Oh, it's really important. So we tend to put them through their paces quite a bit and we get them in to do chemistry reads as well. Because like you say, they've got to gel together on and off screen. Is that, so like a blind date sort of thing? Sort of, yeah. You get them in, you're like, oh, so you're meeting this person, blah, 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 and see how they interact on screen. But it's so intense as well because they all shoot on location in Wales. Mm. They've got to get on. They're all in the same apartment block. And so, yeah, it's important. Have you ever thought of, uh, has it come up before whereby you've thought this is perfect, per a person's absolutely perfect for the role? but they haven't quite hit it off with the character that they, they might be dealing with in the show, and so you've had to go in another direction. I think we've been quite lucky that everyone is a total joy yeah. and a very good actor, <laughs> and it's worked out well. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, it's impossible to overstate how difficult Lauren's job is and how much she's nailed it in this show, because it's, it's finding... 
Lauren has this really rare combination, which is to be to, to, to go the extra mile in order to find people that have never worked on the screen before. So a lot of the main group of um, actors, the younger group of actors, had never stepped on a, on, a, on a set before and had never been in front of camera before. And you're always taking a risk when you get someone that's at that level of experience. And that from they your might perspective, be. was that, a, was that um, an intentional decision? Did you ask Lauren to go looking for new, completely new faces or did it sort of happen to fall that way? No, you were, no, we definitely wanted to do that because there is a real excitement about breaking new people and, and finding yeah. people that no one else has mm. found and, um, and then tessellating that group so that, as Lauren says, there's a chemistry between them, they get on, and, and that is, that's, the risk of that is that at least one person in that group is not going to work out. The extraordinary thing that Lauren pulled off is both that, you know, that, the, the group of the main young actors, I think all of them really hopefully you, you, you all agree, but they all have reached a sort of extraordinary sort of level of technical performance and really gel as a, as a group. Um, that doesn't usually happen. We've made a few shows, um, teen shows, I suppose, mm. where it's very difficult to make sure that everyone is really hitting their stride at the point where you're, where you're starting to work with them. So there's that, and then the other thing that Lauren brings to the table is that she's hugely ambitious uh, in terms of the, the, the sort of the, the more recognisable name. So she's not, you're not afraid at all, I think, of um, saying, well, why don't we go to Gillian Anderson? And then that's, that's, that's really liberating because you have to have, you do have to have confidence to yeah. say that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, when, you, when you approach uh, Gillian and say it's a brand new show, mm -hmm. um, how, does, how does someone like her react? It was a funny one because actually uh, the agent looks after Gillian and Asa, so I was calling it constantly saying, this is a fantastic show, sex education, you've got to read it. But of course, they're the busiest people in the world. Um, so it was just a lot of calling. And Ben Taylor arms you with everything you need in terms of like all the passion, the visual aspects, so you can really give them all the information. And very lucky that they both just loved it, aren't we? Oh, right, so it's interesting. So it's more than just the script. You're going to them with a, a, a real worked-out image of what the show's going to look like and yeah, feel like. definitely. And I think um, they both went for a sit-down chat with Ben, which really, I think, is what secured them both Yeah. to walk them through it and tell them exactly what's going to happen with their characters throughout the series and, yeah. Well, listen, I'm, st I'm going to start... I'm going to stop asking questions now because I know a, a lot of you have got some things you want to ask. So the way it's going to work is if you put your hands up and I'll, um, I'll point it to you. And then, unfortunately, Ella here is going to have to run around. Uh, so I'll make sure I ask a question the top left, then the bottom right. We'll do it something like that. Um, but just before... So have a think if you want to ask a question. I've got just one or two more to finish up and then we'll, we'll come to you guys. Um, so I guess, Midge, if I, was, if I had to ask you a difficult question, so what, what's your most surprising location you found that's really worked? Can you think of one or one you thought, oh, I'm not so sure about this, and it's turned out that it's been, it's been fantastic? Um, so I, I have put you on the spot a little bit there, so sorry about that. Pesky journalist. I mean, it's trying to find something that I think would work, but my colleagues see it the same, same way I see it, and there will be ones that... I've found things and they haven't quite been right and I've kind of maybe misinterpreted the brief or, or just... But I've been very fortunate on the show. Obviously, as I said, you know, I've, I've found one or two things that straight away I knew 
was great. You know, the caravan site we used for Maze, that was me getting lost in the snow and getting my car stuck, you know, it, and, and it was there on the corner. And, it, and you know, it's, it's no secret, it's not actually a caravan site, it's a, um, a farm, and they're the caravans that the fruit pickers stay in. You know, it's, it's just, that wasn't what the brief was. And I took some photos and I sent them to Ben, and again, I, I thought, you know, I could get slated here, but straight away, it, it, it achieved what we were kind of we wanted to achieve, and it, it, it might have sent us in a slightly different direction, but it straight away kind of helped so much with well the character development, I guess, in a way. But what we were trying to say about the show, and we've just over the two years have kind of we have a way of describing the setting of the show, and so we kind of all know what I'm looking for, even on a new script the kind of places we want. Yeah, there, there are ones that are better than others. I think talking about new talent, I'm pleased to say that on the first series, for example, every location had never been filmed at before except one. And it's just something I personally kind of take pride in is the fact that I try and find new things. You know, you, our director of photography was saying how he had watched Bohemian Rhapsody and he, he shot at all of those locations himself yeah. in the previous two years and other shows. So to actually find things that people haven't used and then other location managers asking me where's that we'd love to use that and you know it's that that's the kind of one thing I'm looking for all the time and you know and the same with every show but I was fortunate enough as I said to, to grow up in Monmouth and know the Y Valley and elements of the surrounding area and I thought there were some great opportunities to offer up a landscape that was beautiful the Y Valley is stunning yeah. The tricky one is then trying to better it for a series too. <laughs> and they'll probably see, well, yeah, and, and onwards as well. Um, so before we go to the questions uh, uh, from the audience, one last question for you then, Jamie. Um, you know, was it filming in Wales? Uh, obviously, the influx of, of Welsh talent as well. Um, what was your, how did you find the experience of, of, of coming to, to Wales to, to work? And, and so the impact that's had on the community as well. It's just been an absolute joy because um, what we knew, um, we knew two things when we thought about locating here. One was that we were really confident there were going to be some extraordinary places to shoot. Um, and the other thing was that we, we knew that there was uh, a really strong reputation for brilliant crew. And our slight worry was, because increasing number of productions have been set up here, that, that we wouldn't be able to get hold of the, as many brilliant crew as we, as we might need. But we needn't have worried about that, because actually the, the, the crew uh, the local crew has just been absolutely outstanding. So that's that's one of the things that has been a real joy. And, and also that a high percentage of the people that worked on Series 1 um, came back for Series 2. Hmm. Um, and one of, the, one of the really exciting things for me in, in, in the role that I do has been just seeing the, the trainee scheme that we and Netflix wanted to put in place and seeing um, people that might not otherwise have been exposed to this kind of show uh, or this part of the industry from the local community coming in in season one, um, being under the kind of guidance of a head of department um, and seeing what it's like. It's been quite nice to see that set of people sort of flourish over the last year and a half. Some of whom have gone on, on and worked on other shows um, uh, and then some of whom have come back um, and worked for us. Stevie worked on in our accounts department under a head of department in season one then went off and I think worked on um, of the worlds possibly as a cashier and they came back to us season two and was our cashier in season two and that's there's that that's you know there's a lot of glamour sort of up on the screen but there's a lot yeah. of work that goes behind yeah. that that is less glamorous and to see people coming through from the from 
the local towns um, and and working on the show and coming up into the industry is a real yeah, it's a real thrill. Um, okay, right, so questions from the audience. Get those hands nice and high, please, if anybody wants to ask a question. We've got one. I knew that would happen, Ella, wouldn't I? I did say that, sorry. I d it's not my fault. It's, it's just, it's, so just to the top left. And introduce yourself, um, just give us your name before you ask a question, and then we can um, get the answer. Hi, I'm Harry. Um, what's it like working for a company as big as Netflix? Like, how much power do they have? in your decisions and how much freedom do you get? Thanks, that's a good question, Harry. So how much, how much involvement in it? Are they in your script meetings or is it sort of quite hands-off? What's it like? Hey, Harry. Um, it's, uh, it's been fantastic and um, really quite, without any, unequivocally a great experience. And that's for a number of reasons, partly because um, Everyone wants to work for Netflix at the moment, so there's a kind of, and everyone likes watching Netflix, so there's a sort of buzz and excitement in and of itself to make something for them. And then there's something that happens in the process of, make, in our experience of making a show with them, which is that they really backed the vision of the script, and then they backed Ben's creative vision for how to shoot it, um, and just told us to get on with it, and to make it the most authorially pure show that we could make. Um, that, that, that is quite an unusual approach. Most, most broadcasters will say, well, you have to, for obvious reasons, you have to shape it for this particular demographic. So a show like this, if you made it another broadcaster, they might say it's got to really hit home for the 18 to 24 demographic. Whereas part of the, um, the sort of luxury that Netflix has is they can say, we like this, we think it could roughly fit for, for the service. Go and make it in the most sort of creative way that you can. And then when it, when it delivers and then when it goes out into the world, because they have a lot of um, technology that can determine which audience out of the many tens of millions um, will respond to the show, they can then position it on the service to the most accurate audience. So it means you have a lot of creative freedom in the process, and then they do the work of actually getting it to the people that might watch it. So you'll find that you know, this show, if you subscribe to Netflix, this show might pop up when it comes out, on your homepage, but it might not. And that's because they're triangulating whether you might be the right person to watch it or might be predisposed to watch it. Um, and if you're not, then you'll have to work harder to find it in the further down the service. So all of that means that it's a sort of, um, as producers of the show, it's a very liberating process. Answer your question, Harry? Yeah, great, thank you very much. Uh, any other questions for anybody up on the stage? Anything? Right at the back? That's good, Ella. That's close to you, to be fair. That's good. Hello, my name's Luca. Um, I wanted to ask, since there's such a great relationship between the actors, if, uh, if there was much rehearsal time, if you, know, you did any activities amongst the actors to help them gel, and, and what that process was actually like. Any team bonding activities, like paintballing or anything like that going on? Did they do any? I know <laughs> that they did a big workshop with the intimacy coordinator quite early on. Um, so all those, it was a good icebreaker so they got to I think they all had to watch videos of animals mating and then find out who their character would be in terms of animal and I think that brings people close together quite quickly so yeah that was really good and then the fact that they all live together they all cook for each other they all go out in Cardiff and stuff so they yeah they gelled very quickly it's like a summer camp basically 
Yeah. Ne next time you've got an office, next office meeting, Luca, for team bonding, suggest you watch some animal mating. Yes. Yeah. Snails is supposed to be a good one. Snails is supposed to look really Snails. cool. Um, but yes, the answer is that there, there was um, <laughs> rehearsal time. So, yeah. And, that's, and particularly with, with newer actors, that's a really important mm -hmm. aspect of it. And as Lawrence talked about, those, those chemistry reads and also having the opportunity just to develop before you get onto, onto set is, is critical. Um, so we've probably got time for one or two more and then probably wrap it up down here. Thank you. Sorry, Ella. No, sorry. Give us two seconds. It's fine. <laughs> be straining your, your vocal cords now if you show. But also just quickly to pick up quickly on what Luca had there to say, do you want you don't want to over rehearse the actors either, right? Because they've got to, it's gotta be natural in a show like this. So that's quite a fine balance to strike, I imagine. You definitely don't want to under rehearse them. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so yes, it's a fine balance. Yeah. Hello, I'm Johnny. Um I was just wondering um for Lauren, when you are looking for actors do you like have keep the brief in mind all the time or do you sometimes find someone and then maybe go back and be like actually i found this person do you like kind of adapt the role to who you found or do you really stick to the brief no we try to challenge where possible and sometimes your the version you have in your head from what you've read on the page and then someone walks in and they do something with a scene that is unexpected but it totally works and then it makes you think differently so yeah we try to keep as open-minded as possible you don't want to have too fixed a vision in your head otherwise it makes it feel very generic yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. thank you uh, just behind Johnny there as well hi I'm Carolina um, just to follow up on casting Gillian Anderson because um, obviously she's brilliant but I think even Jane herself said that she isn't offered comedy very often so I was just wondering how did you um, come to the conclusion of sort of, you know, um, thinking, oh, she's going to be great. Yeah, I remember, we, I remember we all had a conversation. We'd be going through, I made some lists actually for my initial meeting with Jamie and Ben to try and get the job um, of all these women who I thought could play Jean. And Gillian was on there. And actually, you're right, she, she said in a couple of interviews recently that she's not offered a lot of comedy. Um, but I did a lot of trolling through YouTube and she's so funny on chat shows. She's really witty. Um, and I'd heard some stories of her on set on the fall where she'd done a few funny things and she'd <laughs> replaced a phone in a cupboard with a dildo. And I thought, she's the perfect person for this job. <laughs> and I just remember sending round an email with lots of YouTube links to her just laughing in lots of interviews thinking she's so warm and funny and yeah, she'd be great. Great, and so let's finish off with this question down the front then. Hi, uh, my name's Josh. Uh, my question is for Midge. Um, is there anywhere in Wales that you haven't filmed that you would love to film? Where would it be and why? I've filmed all over Wales, um, but not just on this show. A lot of productions, we, we, we have a base, and in our case, our base is Killeen. And so... I have to find the locations within certain parameters because we need to maximise our, our time filming rather than travelling. Um, I've shot in North Wales, in, in, in Snowdonia, in Mid Wales. I've never been right down west, which I'd love to, to shoot. I would, 
I'm sure there's beautiful places in Wales that uh, we could take this show. However, I'm a big fan of the Wye Valley, so uh, where, where we, as much as we film there suits me just, just <laughs> fine. But, you know, there's villages I've looked at for other shows which you just think it would be great to bring a production here. But like Jamie mentioned earlier, you know, one of the attractions for South Wales is there is such a strong crew and facilities base in South Wales now, which has grown over the last 15 years since the BBC brought Doctor Who here and then brought the likes of Casualty here and then the success of Gavin and Stacey. And, I mean, that was, what, again, one of the great things about this show is we've used so many new locations where a lot of the shows end up using the same old locations. And if you ever down West Butte Street down the bay, you know it's had the shit shot out of it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas... Um, <laughs> trying to find somewhere new and somewhere fresh all the time, as well as aesthetically brilliant, is, is what I'm after. But, yeah, Wales is just uh, full of fantastic places. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for your questions. I'll just finish up with this then, Jamie. Um, obviously, people have seen episode one. Um, without, I know you're really adept at not giving any spoilers away, obviously, when you're talking to people, but what have people got to look forward to then uh, for the rest of the, of the season when they, when they get a chance to watch it all on Friday? What's, what's excitement have they got to come? I think one of the things that is, has been developed in season two is a, a sort of focus on female empowerment and the female characters, and there's, uh, there's, without giving away which episode it is, but there is, I think, an extraordinary... Um, piece of writing and beautifully directed uh, episode that comes a bit later on where all the female characters get together and have a um, and quite a lot of the episode is devoted to that and it's just it's really beautiful and and, and f you make your own minds up but it, it felt to me when I first read it and first watched it in the rushes that you don't see that enough on TV and um, yeah it's really it's fantastic but there, there are lots of you know there's lots of you know Jizz as well, so... Uh. <laughs> yin, yin and yang, isn't it? You know, it's yin and yang. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, listen, thank you very much for coming. Um, just to let you know, uh, there are drinks and canopies waiting for you just outside. So get, yeah, get stuck into the wine and the can canopies. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind, it's been really interesting, fascinating to hear you, you, you speak. I think the three of them have got the most interesting jobs in all of, all of Britain. So if you wouldn't mind giving Jamie Lauren a major clap.